ultimately, I'm going to keep saying it, get 1% better every day. Just get a little bit better every day. Hey, Stephen Holder here with Zach Kiefer, and it is the long-awaited post-draft episode of 1% Better. And I know like at least three of you tweeted me and told me you couldn't wait to listen. So uh, I know that you have been eagerly awaiting this, or at least like my family has or something. And actually, they don't even listen. So... Anyway, Zach, this was this was. I mean, first of all, I'm exhausted. <laughs> okay, let's start with that. That's that makes two of us, man. It, it never it never gets any better. It's always a long ass weekend, and I'm always exhausted after it's over. But um, I will tell you, uh, there, the storylines were were plentiful. Um, we knew what they were going in, and I think you know the big story was going to be how would they play out, how would things, how would the Colts react. And so forth, and and now we know. Now we know where they are and and how they felt about some of these situations, and and we know that a lot of you are flipping out. <laughs> yeah. So but that's okay. That's okay. That's what the draft is for. That's what the off season is for. Um. All right, Zach. Let's let's break this down. Where, where do we start here? I think the, the first of all, I love the first round pick, Quiddy Pay, in a vacuum. Right. I mean, I think in a vacuum, he is he looks like a wonderful player. Right. He looks like the type of guy that will fit in. Um, things are never that simple, obviously, right? Um, let me ask you this. Any issue with the first-round pick for, on your on your behalf? No. Yeah. I think it's a yeah. home-run pick. And I think when you take a step back and look at this draft as a whole, I think you, you're starting to see how these guys think. And by that, I mean Ursay Ballard and Reich. How, how, did they, how did they walk off the field in Buffalo having almost won that game? They were a couple plays away from winning that thing and then going to the second round. How do they get better? Now, they lose two of the most important positions in the game, right, to retirement. They lose their left tackle, Anthony Costanzo. They lose their quarterback, Phillip Rivers. They replace Rivers with Carson Wentz. They don't replace Anthony Costanzo, at least explicitly, right? right? And what do they do with the first two picks in the draft? This is my takeaway from this weekend. They see where this league is going with the quarterbacks, and they know what happened in Buffalo. And that if they would have got to Josh Allen one or two more times, that's a different game. And they're just doubling down on the fronts. Chris Bowd is obsessed with the trenches. That's not going to change. This shouldn't surprise people. And he's obsessed with defense, too. And I think you even tweeted this like a couple of minutes before their second round pick. A bunch of tackles had gone. And you're like, watch, Chris is just going to take a defensive guy. And you were like <laughs> half joking, but you were right. Yeah, and and that's my takeaway is, and we'll learn more about the tackle situation in the coming weeks. I do know we're going to get in the draft room with Chris Ballard, and and that's going to be one of my questions is, what were the tackle situations like? Where'd you guys have those guys graded? And but to me, the first round pick, Quiddy Pay, you know, they had Darisaw on the board, and they liked Darisaw. Sure. I can tell you that for a fact. They liked Quiddy Pay that much more, and they're not going to reach to fill a need. And if you reach to fill a need, that's a short term play. That's short-term thinking. They don't want to do that. They want to get the best player. And look, if Darisaw becomes a good left tackle for the Vikings, great. If Quiddy Pay becomes a Pro Bowl edge rusher for the Colts, that's the right play 10 times out of 10. We'll see what happens. It's the Sunday after the draft. Um, but all we can do, whether you like the picks or not, is explain sort of how the team thinks and why they have the seven players they do. Okay, I agree with all that. And I want to add... Uh, to the left tackle situation. Okay, look, 
if you look at things again, I am not, I'm, I'm a neutral observer, right? Like I, I give, I give people who make millions of dollars to do this shit the benefit of the doubt on, on some level. Okay. I will tell you that. <laughs> and that is not me. Okay. To be clear. So I will say that. However, yeah, look, I'm just, I'm just a dude who watches football. Right. But I will tell you this. Um, if you look at this situation, just in black and white. Oh, my God. They took two edge rushers. They don't have a left tackle. This is bad. Right. Okay. Two plus two is four, generally speaking. Right. But we got some fractions going on here. Okay. This is not just like whole numbers. This is a little more complicated than that because it goes to what you said. Right. Um, where did they have these tackles ranked? At the end of the day, and I mean both in the first round and the second round, more so in the first. But at the end of the day, if you don't go with the way you have these players ranked in the long run, okay? Not right now, because the draft ain't about right now. The draft is about next year and the year after and the year after. If you don't go with your with your months and months of preparation where you have established by all of your criteria, they have they have hundreds of things that they're looking for, all these benchmarks, right? And, right? and all these eyeballs on these guys. And if you ignore all of that and say, we need a left tackle, even though he's ranked lower and we're taking him, then you're an idiot. Yeah, that's a terrible way to draft. <laughs> like, it's you're like how the Cowboys idiot. draft sometimes. It's a terrible way <laughs> right. to do it. Right. So now, now, what I am not saying, okay, what I am not saying is that they're right. I mean, their rankings can be wrong. That's totally possible, and we will see. I'm not telling you that. All I'm saying is this is who the owner hired to do this job, and they're doing the job, and they say Quiddy pays better than those guys, then – I got to say, hey, I'm going to give them some benefit of the doubt there. And and honestly, I don't even think they're wrong, <laughs> to be honest. I mean, look, if if they don't think these guys are are take-it-to-the-bank left tackles, that's the other thing too, right? They thought some of these guys were more geared to right tackle. And that's there was an conversation about That's a that. really important point that Ballard has made more than once. Right. And and so I think you have to consider that too. There's a lot of variables here. So, so if they would have gone and taken – a a left tackle, quote unquote, left tackle, you know, because we don't even know what these guys are. But if they would have taken one, and I thought these guys were solid, okay. But if you take one and it ends up that he's just kind of, eh, does that really make you better? Okay, you check the box. Congratulations. Are you better? Are you going to go beat Buffalo now in in January? All of a sudden, no. Remember I, he I was don't think playing so. left tackle in January. It was Jared Valdir, for God's sakes. And he wasn't um, the problem. <laughs> and I'm not saying they don't need to get better at left tackle, but that's that's a really good point you make. I think the trap for fans on weekends like this is to think really uh, short sighted, right? Yeah, and, and that's yeah. what fans do. They're emotional, and I get it. And that's what makes it fun. Like in a vacuum, they didn't take a left tackle this weekend, and Sam Tevy is their starting left tackle right now, and that's not great. And I'm not sitting here it. and telling you that is great, but that's why I hate getting asked a question like, how do you grade this draft? Like, ask me that in two years. Like, I want to see these guys play. And that's a cop-out answer, and I'm fine. But, look, I mean, they had some serious discussions and some pretty heated arguments from what I was told and I think what you were told yeah. in the weeks prior. Like, there were some heated arguments no, no, no. about these guys. Last week. Last, Last week. week. So, so they don't have these on Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday. They had them before. And I guarantee early you in the they week. debated, yeah. what do we do if Quiddy pays on the board and, and Christian Derrissaw is on the board and Tevin Jenks is on the board? And they talked through all of this. And I'm not saying, like you said, the Colts got this right. We don't know that right now. But I'm saying the 25 scouts in that room, including Ballard and Ed Dodds, who are as 
be really, really respected in this business, and they have a track record that backs that up. Kevin Rogers is really damn good. Morocco yeah. Brown is getting GM interviews. I mean, these guys, they know their stuff, and they're working through this um, in detail, and they and they, they know a lot what we don't, right? They've sat and interviewed these guys. They've watched all the tape. I watched 10, 15 minutes of tape. They watched four weeks of it. Um, so that's where they're at, and, and I don't mind saying this, and, and, and uh, you know, Chris – you know, I, I chatted with Chris a little bit over the weekend, and I said, fans don't love, you know, two defensive ends off the top and no left tackle. And he said, look, he's like, that's fine. They have every right to be pissed if these guys don't play well. Um, but but he believes in these guys that he got. He believes in what they're going to do for this system. And if you heard Jim say yesterday, that's another window into how this team thinks. They want to go after the quarterback on the other side of the ball, make his life miserable, and they want to dominate up front. And I don't think the fans are going to be pissed if Quiddy Pay starts putting up double-digit sack seasons in the next couple of years. Well, okay, I'll share another off-the-record conversation that's no longer off-the-record, I guess. <laughs> so uh, I, I had some, I had some communication with Frank Reich over the weekend, and you know, so Mister Offensive Coach, right? Like he's never called a defensive play in his life, okay? And so I was like, "So, how you doing over there?" And he, you know, he laughed, he chuckled, and he said, "Look." Um, he says, you know what? You know what helps your offense? Getting off the field on third down. And I was like, that's exactly the perspective. I mean, it it all works together. Look, I get it. Sam Tevy, okay, not the name you want line, running out of the tunnel. Okay, I get it. All right. Although we'll get into him in a second because I actually think they could make it work. I'm, I'm with you. Like, you know, the Jared Valdair example. Like, I think you yeah. can make this work. It's not ideal. These it, guys are smart, though. Will the quarterback's mobile. He played well. Small yeah. sample size. You know, yeah. it doesn't hurt that the the best left guard in, in football is to your right. You know, that's, that that's is also a factor. Thing. That is a huge factor, yes. But anyhow, as Frank Reich was telling me, he said, look, he said, getting off the field on third down is everything. He said, how about give my quarterback more more opportunities? I mean, he says, I got you think I got a problem with that? You know, it's it all works together. At the bottom, at the end of the day, look, a lot of you out there watched this team last year. And we're very dissatisfied with some of the, the past defense situations, right? And, and I do remember a lot of times reminding you, look, the pass rush isn't good enough, folks. Okay. And, and I don't think any of you argued with that. I mean, I think it's unquestionably true. Well, <laughs> congratulations. Okay. You just got two monsters up front. And look, I, I get that Deo's not going to play immediately. Uh, but again, as I said, this is not about, Tomorrow, it's about next year and the year after that and so forth. I mean, you're thinking today and tomorrow when you do these things. So, so I, look, I'm not here trying to talk anybody into anything because there's really nothing to talk you into. I'm just giving you, and I think Zach and I both are, we're just giving you, you know, the facts. This is what it is. This is what they're doing. It's either going to work or it's not going to work. And then the fallout will happen accordingly. So, so we'll see. Um, the other thing, well, Zach. One that, other thing Ballard oh, ahead, mentioned yeah. was, you know, he said, look, they hated the Darius Leonard pick. They hated the Braden Smith pick. They hated the Julian yeah. Blackman pick, too. Um, and and <laughs> it's so funny I've, how I've seen, and I'm sure you've seen this as well, like the, the responses on Twitter changed. Like three days ago before the draft starts, it's like, whatever Ballard does, trust in Ballard. He's got a good track record. <laughs> now it's like, what is this guy doing? He's ignoring the left tackle situation. Right. That's why it's fun. Yeah, I mean – it, it is totally fun. And I, I have to remind myself sometimes because for us, it's like this is on some level, this is work, right? This is what we do and it's a job. 
I love it, but but at the same time, like you know, we're immersed in this, right? And and we forget that for for a lot of you, for all of you, this is a pastime. This is just this is just a, a passion. It's not it's not something it, you look at the way we look at it. I guess is what I'm saying. So I I sometimes have to remind myself, okay. They're not pissed at me. They're not pissed at anybody. <laughs> they just, they're just into it. And, and I, I'm glad I'm, that's happy. That's why you're listening to this podcast. That's why you watch three days of the draft and you put up with, uh, Kuiper and McShay's bad jokes. And I, I get it, right? It's, it, it's great. It, you know what? I have no problem with that. Uh, fire away on the tweets, do whatever you got to do. Um, we love it at the end of the day. Um, look, the other thing, and I, I brought this up, I think, uh, with, Mercy and maybe even with Chris Ballard, but it's not it's not coincidental. I think that both of the two rushers they picked, these guys are not like pretty boy rushers. It's like speed track guys who are just going to get down in the stance and run past anybody. Okay, they have they have quickness and speed, but they are going to beat the hell out of you. These are physical monster type of guys. I don't think that's an accident. And I don't think, I don't think any of the the picks they've made up front have been an accident that way. I mean, even the ones you don't love in some cases. I mean, like Taekwon Lewis, right? I mean, he's not your tip. He's this isn't that's not Robert Mathis in terms of like you know just a a smaller, fast guy. Uh, not that Robert Mathis was not tough. Okay, Robert no, Mathis. Yeah, is, he still scares let me. Let me be clear, day. Robert. <laughs> right. Okay. He's but, coming but my, for you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I mean, that's really that's a really bad example, right? But <laughs> my point is, you know, they didn't take just quick, fast guys. They went for huge, physical, hulking guys here, um, strong, and I think that is uh, that is a continuation of what we have seen. Quentin Nelson. Okay, what did he do? He brought in the disposition. Braden Smith over there is mauling guys at right tackle. And people forget. Like, that guy is physical as they come. Ryan Kelly is the same. And so, I think they have brought about a disposition. I mean, you got Okiriki just headhunting in the middle of the defense. This is intentional. It's very intentional. It is the type of team they want to be. You know, I don't know whether opponents are going to look at this team and be like, oh, man, this is a hard hat type of team. But I, I think it's becoming that. Um, am I wrong? Do you no, see that? No, this is, this is an important pay, a point you made, and I agree. It's it's intentional. And if you listen to the words from Jim Irsay, um, you can feel that. This is, this is not the Colts of five years ago. I'll never forget what Ballard said after the Nelson pick. And I think this was like off the record back then, but he's like, I was tired of watching us get our ass kicked. Yeah. I mean, as a fan, you saw that. You saw Jacoby Brissett get sacked 10 times to the Jaguars in that 17 season. It was miserable. And slowly but surely, they have gone all in on the fronts. That's why they go out and get Buckner. That's why they draft Nelson sixth overall. They sign Ryan Kelly to that huge deal. I mean, over half of the first and second round picks this guy has made since he took over have been on the offensive or defensive lines. That's that's pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, here's what Jim Mercer said, and, and this is it. I mean, this guy's in the room, and, and Jim was really in tuned with this draft. I got that sense yesterday. He says uh, of Deo, who's the second round pick, and then of Quiddy Pay, he says, these guys are terrors. These guys are men. They are running hit guys with relentless motors. You want those guys that play so, so hard, like Robert Mathis and Freeney. These are even bigger guys. Like physically, they're bigger than those two. It changes the dynamic of things. These players that we're going with, it gives Matt Eberflus so many more options. There's no question that when we book, took both of them, 
We know what kind of statement we're making. When you play the Colts, you better be ready. When we're on defense, we're coming after you. The quarterback, the quarterback has to know it's not a touch football game. Now, to me, and I I'm looking at the last the part, Colts, by the way, the, the touch and They're thinking Colts. about that. Think about yeah. the, who they're playing the next couple of years. They're playing Trevor Lawrence. I thought the Jags had a great draft. Yeah. Maybe Deshaun Watson. Who freaking knows what's going on in Houston? Yeah. They're going to have to keep tackling Derrick Henry in Tennessee. And then if you look big picture, two quarterbacks come to mind right away, maybe three. Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, and Lamar Jackson. How do you beat them? Well, look at the template the Super Bowl gave us. You make Mahomes' life miserable by coming after him every single play. The Colts saw that, and it's not an accident that they're going all in on the fronts because they see that as a future of the league. I mean, Ursay said yesterday it's the second most imp- important position on the field. After quarterback, it's who go gets, who go gets the quarterback. So um, they're all in on this theory. And, and like you said, they didn't draft speedy edge rushers. They drafted – in Ursay's words, men, terrors, guys that are really going to change the d- dynamic of that defensive line. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. They, I think, overall are becoming a, a, a more physically imposing team. And I don't mean by size alone. I just mean in terms of the demeanor, in terms of how they play. I mean, I'm going to get into this in the story as well, but... I'll just continue to outline some more of it here. It's not just Quentin Nelson and, and DeForest Buckner, who, by the way, I mean, DeForest Buckner is every bit what Quentin Nelson is, I think, on the other side of the line, right? And then it's also, though, it's Jonathan Taylor. Okay, who wants to tackle that guy, right? I mean, yeah, that's it's, a good point. It's not you know, just, yeah, it's not it's, just it's obvious guys positions. Like, it's running back, too. It's guys like even Michael Pittman, who is just blocking the hell out of people, okay? Like, he loves hitting people all of a sudden. Like, who are you? What is this? Uh, but he's a big guy, and I think that's that's definitely promising, seeing that kind of demeanor. I mean, look at the way Zach Pascal plays, right? I mean, they, yeah. they are actually Good bringing example. about a real, I think, demeanor within – Everybody in the on the roster. I mean, look at Julian Blackman, small as he is, coming downhill and plastering people, you know, such as you can with today's rules. But he has. I mean, he has won them a couple games by coming downhill and knocking the ball loose. So this is very intentional. And I think it's not just that it's intentional. It's, it's productive. You can see that it actually has an impact, right? Um, I, I think this is... I think that's where they, they need to go. Exactly right. Turn up the pressure, make it hard on people. And I, I just think as long as you have a philosophy and you can execute it and, and execute that plan, I mean, then you can go places in this league. Now, you got to get it right and you got to get good players. But I think it, it is important to have a philosophy and and an identity and to be something. You know, to, what are you? When I go play right. your team, what what am I worried about? Right. And I think it's pretty clear the kind of game you're going to get uh, with the Colts. That's what they're going for. That's what um, they want. And and this is not to be overlooked. They lost two really good players on the defensive line this offseason. Yes. They lost they lost Autry and they lost Houston, who doesn't sound like he's coming back now that they went D. 
right. line, the first two picks. And, and, and that's important. And, and they didn't go out and spend a lot of money in free agency, as we know. And, and how do you replace those guys? Ballard said, look, you got free agency. Those guys are really expensive. And all along, and, and he said this, I want to draft my own. I want to keep my own. I want to develop my own. Quiddy Pay is going to grow up in the Colts system. Same with Deo. And that's important to them. That's important to how Ballard wants to build this thing. Um, and, and, and Ursay said that. I mean, he wants these guys to come in there and reshape how people think about the Indianapolis Colts. And I think Ballard has started to do that. It, it starts with 56, right? And Buckner, who's literally throwing offensive linemen down to the ground like they're little like JV players in high school. Um, <laughs> it's not all the way there. I'm not ready to say it is. Um, but they're changing the narrative and, and how teams see the Indianapolis Colts. Because for years, that wasn't what you thought of. And and it's changing. And and Quidipe and Deo could continue to change that identity. It's gonna take it's gonna take some time and it's gonna take some patience. Usually those guys take a little bit to get um, acclimated to the NFL level, but um, they can play. And just hearing Morocco Brown talk about Deo yesterday. You get a sense of why this was such an easy call for them at fifty-four in the second round. I want to just put one ex- exclamation point on Deo because I think that was one pick that that a lot of people were mystified about, and I get it. That's fine. Um, I, I didn't. I wasn't really up on him. I, you know, I think the Achilles injury just. I just kind of overlooked the guy, to be completely honest with you. Um, so didn't really spend a lot of time, you know, getting familiar with him, but. You know, as much as I have been able to in the last 36 hours, I mean, I I really have come to like this pick. I mean, it's a gamble. I get it. But let me just tell you something uh, that that a source reached out to me to tell me yesterday that I thought was incredible. He said, this is not someone with the Colts. So I think that's important to know here. Okay, he said to me, he said, Dale is going to be a monster. And he said, I can tell you of several teams behind the Colts that were absolutely going to pick him. And he singled out the Rams in particular as a team that were really high on him. The Rams were picking three picks later, I think three or four picks later. So Chris Ballard said that. This matches up with what Chris Ballard said in his presser. He said, he said, I knew that there were some teams uh, behind us that were going to pounce on him. So, you know, they, they didn't think they could hold out. But first of all, they didn't have a third-round pick anyway. So if he was really that high on their board and they were that excited about him, again – you don't have to agree, but you have to you have to understand the process and, and why they come to these conclusions. I think if a guy's that high on your board that you're willing to pick him with an Achilles tear, then you know, do what you gotta do. So um I get it. I don't know if he's gonna play this year. I yeah. I I I am not sold on that. I mean, I, I saw some some reporting saying that he'd be ready by August. That ain't gonna happen. Okay, that that's not gonna be the case. Uh, I, I think this is the the Colts. From what I was told privately, was uh, they're hoping that he can help them on the back half of the schedule. If you know, that's kind of the I think the best case scenario. So so yeah, we'll see. Good point to make is the second year in a row they're taking a, a defensive player who's been injured late in the year, and that really yeah. hurt their draft stock in a sense. Julian Blackman last year. Now that was an ACL, and and Blackman's sure. a freak as we as we learned. He came back way earlier. I wouldn't expect that with Dayo. This is an Achilles. Remember that knocked Marlon Mack out. That knocked Malik Hooker out. Um, and and it, I do want to double back on the fact that you know they're willing to wait. That's that's how much they like this guy. I mean, and, and Morocco was like, look, you, you turn on the tape and ten plays in, you drop the remote. Now I get it. They like these guys, and and they're basically their PR men right now, right? The Colts scouts yeah. who drafted these guys. They're gonna they're gonna love all their picks. But I would encourage you to go read what the scouts had to say. I have a story up 
on the site about, you know, the different scouts and, and what they saw in these guys and the process and where they see them playing at both on the line and some comps for, for previous guys in the NFL. This is one of the most fascinating stories I think we get all year in terms of interviews. And, and I just love hearing from the scouts and yeah. um, this is why they pick these guys. So at least hear them out, see what they have to say. Then you can decide if you like them or not. Uh, I want to, Touch real quick on the left tackle situation as it is now. So, look, if they had to line up and play today, it is very clear from everything everyone said that it's Sam Tevy as their starter because no one else's name was even mentioned, okay, I don't yes. think in the past couple of days. So, Sam Tevy, he's the free agent they signed from the Chargers uh, last month, I believe, um, or maybe in March. So, look, he he is mm, – I would say he's serviceable. And – I would say probably half the left tackles in the NFL are in that category. <laughs> so, I, I mean, that doesn't really that, – that's not necessarily, a, you know, something you want to put on a, a T-shirt. I'm serviceable. But, yeah. um, <laughs> but, I, but I, be, I think when you, when you consider who he's playing next to and also consider this, consider the scheme. Look, the Los Angeles Chargers had probably by far the worst – uh, offensive line in the NFL last year. They were absolutely dreadful. Now, Sam Tevy was part of that. However, who's he playing next to? You can't even name that guy, okay, number one. Number two, was the scheme any good, the blocking schemes, and did they set him up for success? I have no idea, but they had the worst offensive line in the NFL, so I have a feeling, <laughs> okay? So all I'm saying is you're going from a really bad set of circumstances to the best possible circumstances the scheme is really good the unit he's playing with is absolutely excellent uh he's playing next to a guy by the way in quentin nelson who is one of the most aware offensive linemen and you can you see that if you really watch the line in terms of how he can pick up other things and he can chip in where he's not even really responsible for a guy and he can save your tail sometimes he does it all the time uh even for kelly and and for costanzo he's done it so this is going to make Sam Tevy better. And the other side of that is there's still some viable free agents out there on the market. So don't completely write it off. So so we'll see. I think that I, I think they'll make that work. And that's what I was told off the record and talking to people behind the scenes. We'll figure it out. We're not worried. Uh, it's not going to be ideal, but you're not going to have 22 pro bowlers out there. It's just not. It's not going to be that. Unfortunately, it's an important position. It is what it is. So... I heard last night that they're going to start looking even more intently on the free agent market. Yeah. Um, And and we should mention that they had left tackle, like, as a need in the draft. I mean, they, they, Jim Irsay hinted, you know, several times that, you know, they had guys on their board that they wanted to take that teams took four or five spots ahead of them. You guys saw this watching the draft. There were two or three runs of tackles that just really emptied the cupboard. And so in this situation, the Colts, let's say they're drafted in the fourth round when they took the tight end, Kylan Granson, like they're not going to draft a sixth round left tackle over a guy they had ranked in the fourth round. That's just how this played out. And on the flip side to what you said, I think Sam Tevy is better with Quentin Nelson next to him. But the thing I keep going back to is you can't fake a left tackle, man. With that edge speed that these teams have, that can get into trouble. And Carson Wentz is coming from a place that had major offensive line issues. And it got to him, and he played really crappy football at points last year. This is an issue, and I don't know if Sam Tevy's going to be good enough. And if he's not, the Colts fans out there have every reason to complain about Chris Ballard not addressing this 
more directly this offseason. We'll see how it goes. Um, but the reality is, you know, and Carson Wentz said this, I wanted to come here because of Frank Reich, obviously, but there's also one of the best lines in football. I'm going to break this down for you. It's not one of the best offensive lines in football without Anthony Costanzo. It's not, like period. Um, Nelson's great. Kelly's great. Braden Smith's great. Glowinski's good. But the left tackle is that important in my mind. My opinion is without AC, this this unit takes a step back. And, and that's important for Carson Wentz, and that's important for Frank Reich. So, you know, just to call it like it is, um, I it just kind of worries me a little bit that both Frank Reich and Chris Ballard are just a little – uh, cavalier about just going out there with Sam Tevy. And, and if I'm wrong, that's fine. I'll eat my words in September and October. But um, they return every starter but two. They replace Wentz at quarterback, and, and they just don't really address the left tackle issue. And, and, and that just it's just in the back of my mind that, like, you can't fake the left tackle thing. You can't just plug in somebody and get yeah. him be okay for 16 games, 17 games now. Um, not against the speed they're going to see on, on other teams. So, um, that in my mind is, is a very real worry. And the Colts are very much in jeopardy of no longer being one of the best offensive lines in football because they don't have a, a, a guy filled at one of the most important spots. Well, I think all of that's fair. And I think this is going to be an opportunity to, for us, I think, to learn a lot about their, their offensive coaching, first of all, because I think that's a big part of it. You know, getting the best out of your personnel, whoever it is, whether it's Quentin Nelson or Sam Tevy, I think that's that's going to boil down to coaching. Chris Strasser is going to have some work to do here. And then uh, on the other the other point I want to make is I, I don't think I don't know if they're they're overlooking it as much as they have just I think resigned themselves to you know what we're not going to get what we want there, or at least we're not going to sacrifice potentially really good players for someone we don't really believe in. And I think that's philosophical. Now, again, it's like you right. said, they're either going to be proven right or wrong. Maybe that was a mistake. Maybe it wasn't. But I think that's what it is. They they are willing to forego having that 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 locked-in left tackle um, in order to get these potential stars they feel on defense. So we'll see if they're right. I mean, that's, that's the beauty of it, right? I mean, you make decisions like this uh, that really – you know, don't don't you don't find the answers out, I guess, until months later. So so we will see. Um, I, I want to touch on uh, some of these other guys. Um, I, I like Kyler Kylin. I'm going to call him Kyler forever. Kylan Granson. I like this pick just on, you know, in theory. He's got um, Frank Reich written all over him. Yeah, doesn't he? I think this could work. I mean, look, I don't care how he blocks <laughs> yeah, for, like for the for the critics out there. And I, I have to laugh like. They're like, ah, they drafted a tight end who can't block. I'm like, what kind of tight end did you think they were going to draft? <laughs> exactly. Like, first of all, they got Mo Alley Cox. They got Jack Doyle. They're literally going to draft a receiver tight end hybrid. Like, that was always going to be the play. And it's the fourth round, by the way. And it's the fourth round. Like, I just, this is exactly what kind of tight end they were going to draft. Yeah. And I think, you know, how good a blocker was Eric Ebron? Okay. And, and listen, you can, we can love or hate the guy. I mean, he did score 14 touchdowns for this team in one year. So, I just think he didn't. You know, he didn't block at all. He, never, he hasn't like, blocked anybody yet. Like, <laughs> and, and got, I love that he never argued that. Right, that's yeah, the one thing like, I will always give him credit for. He's like, eh, I throw my shoulder in there. I mean, um, <laughs> I love that. He just, yeah, I mean, that's Branson, not what I'm Branson, here for. He's played tight end for two years and he has 15 touchdowns at SMU. I mean, that's that's it's big productive. time. And 
that's what they were missing last year. I mean, you know, they had Trey Burton, and Trey Burton was was okay. Um, but it's a fourth round. It's a flyer. Um, you know, they really downplayed the drops issue. I think it was one game against Cincinnati, but we did talk to Morocco Brown about it and Anthony Coglin, the area scout. He's like, look, he's like, we watched him at the senior bowl. We loved how he caught it. We watched him at his pro day. No issues there. Um, a couple of these guys really impressed me in terms of our interview with them. And I think that mm-hmm. matters. Yeah. Um, Deo was really impressive. Granson was really impressive. I, I really was impressed with Sam Ellinger, the, the quarterback from Texas. Look, he's going to start as QB three and, and back up Jacob Eason, who's the backup to Carson Wentz. But um, getting a guy like that in your quarterback room is always a good thing. Uh, we'll see. But you know, the real enticing one is Michael Strawn, the uh, the huge, huge wide receiver. I am all about Charleston. this guy. I mean, D2 guy. But um, as Chad Henry, the area scout, said, when you see him on the field, you're going to know who that guy is. Yeah. So training camp is going to be interesting because I remember last year – when so they drafted Michael Pittman and Desmond Patton, and tell me if this happened to you, but there were times where Patton was getting some run in training camp, and and he would catch a ball, and I'd be like, man, good play by Pittman, and I'm like, well, wait a minute, that's not Pittman, that's Patman. and because they're so big, they're they're both really big guys, and now right. here you go, you throw this guy in, <laughs> he was I think six five and two twenty five, if I'm not mistaken. And so he's every bit as big as those guys. So I think definitely number one, they have a type, okay, at wide receiver. Yeah. And I T.Y. Don't know. Hilton is not their type. <laughs> it's exactly. It's like which one doesn't belong, right? If we're if we're Sesame Street. So it, it's definitely interesting, though. I mean, I don't know how many of the same type of guy you can stockpile, but uh, it's not. It's it's probably a good problem to have. They can't all be on the roster, obviously, but uh, I'm definitely interested to see more. I hope we do have the preseason on some level because I want to see, you know, yeah. what this looks like. You know, and, and um, I was told that's a good point you brought up about Patman. It's a guy that we didn't see at all last year at all. Yeah, and I don't think anybody has caught more balls from Carson Wentz so far in spring training than 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 Desmond Patman, who's been out there with him and Jacob Eason on the West Coast. And and I was told last year that the reason we didn't see Patman more during the season was. He came from Washington State and, and really only ran like three or four different routes and just wasn't ready to completely embrace the NFL playbook and all the intricacies of Reich's system. I would expect that to step up this year. Big training camp for him. But you throw in Strawn, you throw in Patman, you throw in Zach Pascal, you throw in Michael Pittman year two, you've got T.Y. back. And oh, by the way, Paris Campbell, who I'm really high on, maybe not as many people are. I think he's a stud if he's healthy. Um, that's going to be a fun group. And, and look, this is how it happens every year with wide receiver, right? You start out with six or seven really enticing names. There's going to be some injuries. You'll see how those shake out. But um, I, I love the strong pick. It's a, it's a seventh rounder. You take a flyer on a guy who's going to have to take time to develop. But um, the physical skills, they say, are, are absolutely there. Yeah, so 6'5", 225. And uh, Chad Henry, by the way, at the pro day, timed him this is at the West Virginia Pro Day. West Virginia has some athletes, okay? This guy stole the freaking show at the Pro Day. Out of all those Division 1 blue chip recruits, he went to cuz he came from Charleston University. I, I don't even know I guess what they're Division 2. I have no idea. Never yeah. even heard of him. I don't even yeah, know. Yeah, West Virginia, not Charleston, yeah. South Carolina, like Right. Small yeah, I don't school. Even didn't know. even have a they didn't even have a season last year cuz COVID. Right. I don't even know the mascot. I don't care. Uh, the point is he, he has to go to West Virginia for a pro day because what scout is going to Charleston for a pro day? And he stole the show against, and you can imagine the type of players and uh, t- type of athletes, excuse me, that he's competing against in this pro day. And he 
completely stole the show. So anyway, Chad Henry, the area scout, timed him, I believe, at four six four. Excuse me, I'm sorry, four four six. Excuse me. That is a big difference. Four four six in the 40. Four seconds, point four six. That is phenomenal for a guy at six five and two twenty-five. You know, he he's a track guy. And I, I believe was a conference champion in track and all that. And I asked him, I said, well, man, you seem pretty serious about track. And his answer was hilarious. He's like, no, actually, I just did it just to kind of like, you know, work out for football. <laughs> and then he became like the conference champion in track. Like, this Athletes. guy's ridiculous. Athletes, man. I mean, you know, what, what talent was I born with? These guys roll out of, come out of the womb, you know, freaking winning conference championships in track just by accident. That's not fair. Anyway, um, this is it, it's interesting. I, I think that looking at this in in total, you know, they didn't have as many picks as usual. That was definitely different. Uh, they didn't even have a, a third rounder, so this was definitely a lighter draft. You know, Chris Ballard was talking about he didn't have the chance to trade down until what I think the sixth round, and it was killing him. Uh, you know how he is. <laughs> that was pretty funny. But I thought they locked him out of the draft room. I was like, where, <laughs> exactly. where, where, why haven't they traded back yet? I was so bored. I was like, where's the trade? And so anyway, but but despite all of that, Jim Mersey, who, you know, has exaggerated a time or two in his life. Uh, Jim Mersey said, you know, we may look back on this as the draft that, that put us in the Super Bowl. Now, I don't know. That's some hyperbole. I get that. But... I will say they're pretty excited about this. I, I don't know. Um, I think this is a draft, though. Here's my attitude on it is I think this is a draft that we won't really have a feeling on for a couple of years. I think you're right. And that's hard because it requires patience. And this right. is not a patient league. It's, it's, you know, what it's they want guys that can step in right away and play. And it, it might take pay some time. It's going to take Odiangbo. Two years, really, yeah, to really yeah. see what he can do at this level. But you know what? Uh, I I think there's a there's a reality here we got to consider. I, I think it's okay to have that kind of draft because here's why. I mean, look, Chris Bowers has been drafting for four years now and drafting well for the most part. These guys that he's drafted, they're mostly on the team. And what happens? You don't have as many needs. Look, I get that they had the left tackle need, and we we've already covered that, but. But just if look at take the ten thousand foot view of this roster, it's pretty good. Okay, it's pretty yeah. good. Yeah, and not a lot of holes. Yeah, I mean, like, how many guys were you going to draft in the first, second, third, fourth round who are going to walk in here and and play significant snaps for this team? There are not many, especially when when most guys are coming back. So, you know, did they take some chances? Maybe. Uh, did they maybe take a different approach? Uh, not totally, but but I, they definitely didn't have as much urgency in terms of right now. You know, I think they took the longer view, which is which is good in in my estimation. I, I don't know. I mean, am I on to something there? I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, you are. In, in in to put a bow on this, like you take a step back and you look at this draft, and, and let's grade it in twenty twenty two and twenty twenty three and twenty twenty five when we actually know if these guys can play. Um. But for me, at the end of the day, and I, I realize the left tackle is a question mark, and I kind of made my sure. point on that a minute ago. But if you're going to go all in on one area of the team, the the one area I'm never going to complain about and I'm never going to worry about is defensive line. That's what wins in this league. And when you've got the franchise quarterback and you got some weapons around him and you got Jonathan Taylor in the backfield, 
this team needed to go all in on pass rush. They needed to get some young pass rush guys that could become stars in the, in the years to come because they didn't have that. And they needed some guys in the pipeline. And, and that's a position I'm never going to feel like they have enough of. And I'm never going to blame if they go too much on because those guys yeah. get hurt and you just want to keep coming. And there's, and then, you know, and you always say there's no such thing as too much pass rush. I'm never going to, I'm never going to think that's a mistake when you really go all in on the trenches. And I think that's what wins. And I think they're trying to, like you said, kind of form an identity, shape a new era of Colts football where the Colts are the team that used to think of as Pittsburgh and Baltimore as the teams that would beat you up. And that was never the Colts in the past. And I know Jim Mercy wants to get that. That's in Chris Ballard's DNA. And like you said, what Frank said, like that that helps the offense too. So um, I would have had issues if they went all in on the secondary or the linebackers or the receivers. Right. Not defensive line. That's how I – uh, I've seen this team transform the last couple of years, and they're going to keep transforming because of what they did at the top of this draft. And I'll leave you with this. I think if you look look at what Jim Mercer said, and I get that you know he's over the top a lot, but he's not wrong about this part. You know, he mentioned the Super Bowl in February. There's no question. He's he's absolutely right. But look at the Kansas City Chiefs, right? Because I mean that's the gold standard right? for the most part. You know, they're the team that I think even though the Bucks won, the team that that you're worried about for the next ten years is the Chiefs because of Mahomes. Yeah. And so look at what's happened the last two years. They almost lost one Super Bowl, and then he just, you know, had the Mahomes magic in the fourth quarter against San Francisco. And then the next year, they did lose. And the single biggest reason for those two, re- for those two games being really hard for him was pass rush. It's pass rush. Okay. I mean, what happened? The 49ers were killing them. DeForest Buckner, by the way. Okay. It was him. Yep. It was DeForest Buckner. They could not block him. Two and, and a half sacks that game, I believe. I think if if the if the 49ers win that game, that guy might be the MVP of the freaking Super Bowl. It probably would never happen. They're never going to give it to a defensive lineman. But it doesn't mean they shouldn't have. Right. So, anyway, I guess what I'm saying is, to stick to the point, that, that defensive pressure up front has almost toppled the best player we've seen in a generation two years in a row. <laughs> okay? Yep. So, I mean, I don't think you need to sell it any more than that. And it's not just the Mahomes game. Go back to the NFC Championship game. The Bucks defense getting after Rodgers. Right. A week before that, getting after Breeze. That's what wins in January, and that's what wins in December, and that's what wins in February. And Chris Bowd is on record saying that. And and they're not they're not going to enter the next couple of years without a sufficient pass rush. They they just made sure of it this weekend. Yeah. Now, I tell you what, I I'm with you. I don't have a problem with it. And you know, if they got the wrong guys, then we'll have to have. A lot more conversations about that. But the philosophy, I don't have a problem with it. It really just boils down now to did they get the right guys and can they put it all together? And that will be determined. And by the way, I think they also got some guys' attention, okay, with this draft. And we'll get into that, you know, in the coming week. But there are going to be some guys on this current roster who are impacted by this, okay, particularly up yes, front. Yes, sir. So, and I think you know who they are. And, and some of them are Chris Ballard picks, but that's okay. Now, you can make mistakes and correct mistakes later on. That's okay. Uh, you've got to you got to continue to you got to correct them. You can't compound them, but you got to correct them. And if they have, then you know, then it is what it is. So we will see. I think there's going to be a lot of fallout from this draft, uh, but some of it will come soon. Some of it will come later. But 
there's always going to be impact. So this was a, this was definitely fun, and I'm looking forward to see how this all plays out. They're going to have a mini camp, a rookie mini camp, but it, it won't be a typical rookie mini camp. Uh, but we will hear some more from the rookies, I think, in the coming weeks. So stay tuned for that. So I'm Stephen Holder with Zach Kiefer. We appreciate you guys listening. Thanks for sticking through, sticking with us through draft season. It's been long. There's been a lot to cover, uh, but you guys are great, and we appreciate it. Um, so hey, stick around. We'll be back with more of these episodes in the weeks to come. And uh, this is 1% Better.